It's good to be with all of you. I thank you for the very warm reception that uh, you reserved to both uh, myself and my wife. Um, today, I want to share with you uh, something good. Whenever the Lord does something, it is always surprising. Did you agree? Yes. If it's within our understanding, then that's no longer extraordinary nor supernatural. A brother once uh, discussed and uh, mentioned to me, if we can think of what God is going to do, then that is no longer God's because we can never fathom the thought of God, right? So how do we know God until and unless he revealed himself to us? He tells us what we should do and also what is surprising, the fact that I'm with you today is surprising because I'm not supposed to be with you this morning. But what is surprising, as I meditate on this, I realize that it is God who sent me today to you. He preordained it, but until he revealed to us that we never fathom his thought or his way. And many of us as Christians, we, we became Christians. Let's take a census here. How many people became Christians, let's say, one year ago, one year, within one year, okay? A few, yes. How many became Christian within five years? Five years. All right. How about 10 years? Well, the rest, you are really mature Christian. <laughs> More than 10 years, 20 years or so. You know, there's a question that we often ask ourselves. How how can we know God? Our brother prayed earlier, God is incomprehensible. God, the Bible tells us, he dwells in inapproachable light, which no man can see. Thus then, how can we know him? And a lot of Christians, despite of their becoming Christians, they have to travel this road, a very tortuous road, and deep within ourselves, there is question that come back again and again. How can I know God? That is one fundamental question. Because the Lord Jesus in his prayer, he said in John 17, he prayed to the Father that we may know him, that is God, and know Christ who he has sent. That is life eternal. To know God and to know Christ Jesus whom he has sent is to be entered into eternal life. And yet many of us, even though we have become Christian, we have received um, teaching from the church, we have been baptized, we have been you know, in service. But dare I ask you today, how much do you know God? So brother, the question today is, how much do you know God? The more you know him, the deeper your root becomes. The better you know him, the stronger your faith becomes. But nowadays, Christians, we are in a state of, sometimes I would say it's uh, not exactly confusion, but we are torn. We are torn between the reality of life and the reality of God. The reality of life is so real. 
The reality of God is very, very, very dim. Am I right? And once a week, maybe even then, we caught a glimpse of God. But then in the day, in our daily lives, in our workplace, in our family, in our relationship with one another, have we been distinguished, like the Bible says, from the people of this world because we know God? Are you able to be distinguished among all the people that surround you in the society? Yesterday was a wonderful occasion. I would encourage and invite you next year, 11th of July, 11th, there will be another march. Yesterday, we marched in the downtown center. Yesterday, we shout the name of Jesus in the heart of the financial district. Yesterday, we proclaim, we proclaim Jesus amidst this tumultuous voices of society that object God. We were in the way, by God's grace, being distinguished because we dare to be different. Are you there to be different? When people challenge your faith, when they question you, when they mock you, when they look down on you, dare you to be different? Um, well, just now the, uh, the, the brothers introduced me as the pastor of the Chinese church. Actually, I'm from Vietnam. No, no fault of his. Yes, I'm pastor of the Chinese church. But I'm from Vietnam. Anyway, he implied that I'm Chinese. <laughs> um, I was raised and born in Vietnam. But I have uh, Chinese ancestry. My, my grandfather came from China. But when people ask me, because I was born in Vietnam, was raised in Vietnam, and my original nationality was Vietnamese, so whenever people ask me, I always say I'm Vietnamese, but I have uh, uh, the, the, the Chinese ancestry. Um, and then the Lord sent me to this church, the Living Spring. Actually, this church is also quite peculiar, and you need to pray for us, because when the founding pastors, um, being led by the Lord who started this church, he didn't put the word Chinese in the name of the church. In the regular setting, most of our Chinese church would say Montreal Chinese so-and-so alliance church. But the founding pastor, he did not put the word Chinese there. The name of the church is Montreal Living Spring Alliance Church. There wasn't the word Chinese there. But a lot of people say you're still a Chinese church. Of course, we are of Asian you know, background. Um, but you see, normally our thought was being somewhat confined by what we know. That people will call the paradigm. Everyone knows that? We have our set. We have our structure. So how can we know God if we're always within that box? You know that God is not in the box? But we are all the time in the box. We get from one box to another box. God is over all. Paul says that he is all in all. He is everywhere. 
He's within, he's without, he's up, he's down, he's, he's everywhere. And we always tend to put God in a box. That box is our frame of mind, the core paradigm. I've never dreamed to come to the Living Spring Church, but God sent me there. You may ask why. Four years ago, the church, Living Spring Church, maybe some of you knew, gone through a great time of crisis. The founding pastor, because of his personal needs, his family needs, and all the ministerial needs, he has to leave. And he wrote to the district superintendent. He said, since he started out the church, and now he's no longer able to continue, so praying hard, long and hard, he felt that the only responsible way is to close down the church. That was four years ago, in the summer of 2015. About that time, the Vietnamese church, now that's why I'm saying, actually I'm very much Vietnamese, I'm Vietnamese. My grandmother is Vietnamese. My mother, well, I should say my grandmother was Vietnamese. She's passed away. My mother also was Vietnamese. She passed away end of last year. And my wife is Vietnamese. You can see how much Vietnamese I have within myself. <laughs> so for a long time, I worked with the Vietnamese churches, the Alliance Church and various churches. And last year, in September, two, no, not last year, four years ago, September 2015. We have the Vietnamese Alliance Church celebrating four years ago their 40th year anniversary at this place. And the Living Spring Church was meeting in the, this same place four years ago. And because of that event, then the Fairview Church requested that the Living Spring Church should meet elsewhere so that can accommodate the Vietnamese Church 40th year anniversary. Sounds uh, normal, right? Not so for the Living Spring Church. Because the pastor at the time had decided that he cannot continue to stay. So then the brother and sister in the Living Spring Church was in a kind of upheaval and turmoil and a lot of unrest. And when they were told that that Sunday was two weeks before the pastor's departure, you cannot meet here. So they took it as a sign from the Lord that the church is going to be because they said, even our meeting place, we can't meet. You understand their feeling? That Sunday, the Vietnamese church was meeting here. The then district superintendent, Francis Pearson, was the speaker. And my younger brother, he was a pastor of the Vietnamese church. He invited me to be translating for... Reverend Francis Pearson. Well, we knew one another a number of years. I think I first met uh, 
Reverend uh, Francis Pearson in the years of 2008 or 2009, and we have a lot of uh, work uh, together. So we celebrate the Vietnamese church. I have absolutely no clue about the Living Spring. I didn't know that it exists. I didn't know anything about the Living Spring Church. Then we have the Vietnamese church at the banquet in the evening. Then the uh, organizer had arranged that we sat with uh, um, Reverend Francis Pearson, and we have a good talk. We talk about the whole world. We talk about Asia. We talk about, oh, we are so, we are so having kindred spirit. And the end, before we leave the, uh, the banquet hall, he asked me, Guy, combien de langues tu parles? Well, we address one another first name, okay? That's a personal, but in public I'll call him Reverend Francis Pearson. <laughs> <laughs> and he'll call me either Reverend Guy Wong or Pastor Guy Wong. But, so he asked me, Guy, combien de langues tu parles? I said, one, two, three, four, five, six, six. My native, my mother tongue is Vietnamese. My first language is French. Second language is English. Third language is Chinese. And the Chinese, they have, they have the national language, they have the Cantonese, and they have my grandfather's dialect, so I speak six languages. And then we left off at that. Three days later, he sent me an email. He said, there's a church. They might need help. Would you consider it? So I said, which church is it? He said, uh, so I answered him, okay, let's meet, let's meet and, and, and find out. I didn't even know the church. I didn't even know anything. But two weeks later, sat, I was sitting in the conference, uh, meeting with the Reverend Francis Pearson and the group of leadership of the Living Spring Church. To make the story very short, at the end of that discussion, I was to be at the Living Spring Church. When I asked the leadership of the Living Spring Church who is going to be uh, speaking, he said, no, nothing arranged because we are about to close the church. So I came. I came and I stay until now. What is surprising about God? The Living Spring brothers and sisters think that that is a sign that they close down the church. But that was where God enacted his most amazing miracle. Had it not been the 40th anniversary of the Vietnamese church, I would be here. You know how surprising is our God? God is full of surprise. But the problem is in the remaining of time, I want to show you something. I want to tell you something. Why then we don't know God? There are two scriptures, very short, but it intrigued me since the day I became Christian. One is in the Sermon on the Mount. The other is the writing of the Apostle Paul. At the end of the fifth chapter in Matthew, the Lord Jesus says, you must be perfect as your father is perfect. You know about that scripture? Yes. 
And in the writing of the Apostle Peter, God said, you must be holy as I am holy. These two scriptures intrigue me no ends. God is perfect. I know that. I understand. I believe that. But how can I be perfect like Jesus required? God is holy. I know that. But how can I become holy as God is? That took me some 30, 40 years to discover it. This year, the, uh, the, uh, the, uh, the Alliance Churches, the Chinese Churches, uh, has come to a very interesting uh, decision that, uh, that, that they that invite four uh, pastors, four speakers, to speak on the fourfold gospel of the Missionary Alliance. You know our Missionary Alliance uh, logo? Anyone know about that? One logo, but contains four features. Those four features are the fourfold gospel that the founder, Dr. and Reverend A.B. Simpson, was inspired by God. The first is the cross, which signifies Jesus the Savior. On the right hand is like a cup. Jesus the sanctifier. On the left hand like a picture. Jesus the healer. And underneath it all is the crown. Jesus the coming king. You know about that? So that is the logo. So we are to speak about these four aspects. And by God's preordained arrangement, I was assigned to speak on Christ the sanctifier. The one who sanctified us. The one who make us holy. The one who make us perfect. May I ask you another question? Well, actually, when I study these four aspects, because I not only study about my own aspect, I have to study all the four aspects. I want to listen to different pastors and the insight from God. So while I was studying this, and I was a question came to my mind. Why did Pastor the Reverend A.B. Simpson came up with this fourfold? Why not five? Why not three? Why four? And as I study more and more, then I flash back to my biblical training. And this, you all know, how many gospels there are in the New Testament? Four, Right? Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Do you know the theme of Matthew? Each writer, under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, had composed and contained within the holy writing, the holy writings, a special theme. The theme of Matthew, you may guess, Jesus. The K I N G K I N G Louder The King 
Remember when the Magi came to see Herod? And why all these upheaval later? Because they said to Herod, we in the east, we saw his star, the king of Israel. That sets up, that sets up the whole explosions of this conflict between Herod. Not against Jesus, but against the kingdom of God. Matthew. Matthew is the gospel about the kingdom. The gospel of the kingdom. The parable of the kingdom. is all pertaining to the kingship of Christ. Luke or Mark. You know what the theme of Mark? I'll give you a quick uh, Bible lesson today. <laughs> Mark 10. When the Lord says, The Son of Man came not to be served, but to give His life as the ransom for many. The theme of Mark is the servant. Luke. The what? Louder. Healing, healer. Actually, it's more accurate if we call it the physician. He's the physician. He's the one who healed the brokenhearted. He's the one who pardons sin. The key verse is Luke 4, 18. When the Lord in the synagogue of Capernaum opened up the scripture and read that portion of Isaiah. And he said, today this scripture has been fulfilled. The spirit of the sovereign Lord is upon me and he has anointed me to what? To preach the good news to the poor, to the brokenhearted. And to heal the effect of sin. The healer. And John? The way to the Father. Love. Actually arching over the gospel of John. In counterbalance, if you put these two, Matthew, Mark, Luke on one side, and John on the other side. It's a perfect balance. Actually, John, one John equals three other. Why? Because his theme. The theme of John, when it addressed Jesus, is the Son of God. Whereas in the previous three Gospels, very rarely it mentioned Jesus as the Son of God. Jesus addressed himself as the Son of Man. If you read scripture. So the theme of John is the Son of God who gave his life to save this world. And he redeemed us. Because he is the son of God. And when I study this first gospel, the theme, and I come to the realization, Simpson, where, that is where the Holy Spirit has inspired Reverend A.B. Simpson. You got it? King, Matthew. Servant, Mark. Physician or healer, Luke. The Son of God, the one who redeemed us. A.B. Simpson, the Savior, the cross.
the sanctifier, the one who redeemed and sanctified us. The healer, the one who healed us. And then the coming king. But there's a distinction between these four. For Reverend A.B. Simpson, Christ is the coming king. He has a vision of the future. But in scripture, Matthew has a vision, the vision of the entire span of human existence. Christ is the king. He was the king. He is the king and he shall be the king. Is it surprising? The word of God is full of surprise. It takes me many years. When I do study, then I believe that was the Holy Spirit. He inspired me. And the remaining time, quickly, I want to share it with you. And this I read from the Gospel of John, chapter 17, verses 13 to 19. In the NAS, New American Standard Version. You just listen to me carefully. John 17, verses 13 to 19. But now I come to thee, Father. And these things I speak in the world, that they may have my joy made full in themselves. I have given them thy word, and the world has hated them. Because they are not of the world, even as I am not of the world. Verse 15. I do not ask thee to take them out of the world, but to keep them from the evil one. They are not of, this, of the world, even as I am not of the world. Verse 17, sanctify them in the truth. Thy word is truth. As thou didst send me into the world, they, I also have sent them myself, my also. And verse 19, and for their sake, I sanctify myself, that they themselves might also be sanctified in truth. The Lord say, be ye perfect as your father is perfect. The scriptures say, be ye holy as God is holy. How can I be perfect as God? How can I be holy as he is? How? But the first thing you must understand what is holiness. A lot of people have a very vague idea. Very vague idea of holiness. And then the reason why I have to become holy like God and third, in the remaining time, I will address these three aspects. This is my understanding. This is my receiving the revelation from the Spirit. What is holiness? As I meditate on this, as I speak on this, actually I study this subject on and off, but never really focus on this. Until I understand what is holiness, how can I be holy? Right? But most of us have a very vague idea. And when we say God is perfect, in what way He is perfect? And if we don't know how He is perfect, then how can I become perfect? The word holiness or sanctifications can be translated or interpreted in many ways. But the most, the most fundamental meaning of Holiness is that to be set apart. Everyone say, to be set apart. Say it. To be set apart. You understand that? 
Holiness then takes on another meaning, to be set apart for a sacred and divine purpose, not for the common things. That's why in the Old Testament, things in the temples, they are holy, they are sacred. They were set apart. Not even the normal people can touch. If they should touch it, they will die. You know why? This is the third meaning. Because they belong to God. To be set apart. To be destined for a sacred and divine purpose. And third, that things belong to God. Do you know that you have been set apart? Do you know that you were destined for a divine sacred purpose? Do you know that you belong to God and not this world? Most of us don't know that. Most of us regard to be Christian is to be able to, you know, to be saved. That is true. Uh, to become Christian is to embrace a community of faith. That is true. Uh, to become a Christian is to be trained and you know, rooted in the word of God. That is true. And to have experience with God, that is wonderful. But we miss the most important meaning of all to become Christians is that we belong to God and nothing else. That's why James, in his writing, he said, whoever makes friends with the world, whoever involves themselves in the worldly way of living, Whoever lusts after the things of this world, James tells us, these people make themselves enemy of God. Because God is so jealous that anyone, anyone that belongs to him should go out. And embrace the value, embrace the lifestyle, Embrace the, 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 the fashion of this world. We are to be different. Everyone said, we are to be different. That is the meaning of holiness. You are different. I am different. Different from what? From this world. Different in what sense? The law says, peace I give unto you, not as the world gives. You know all this? What's, what, what's about this scripture? The world can give you peace, my brother and sister. But that is not from God. What is holy? What is not holy? The world, the peace that the world gives, good that they may be, but not as the peace that God gives us. The peace that God gives us is holy because it belongs to Him. You see where our confusion lies? Because whenever there's a word of peace come up, we think that it's, no, it's not the same. Love. The world can give you love, but not the kind of love God gives you. Right? The world can give you joy. Do not say that people who do not know God do not have joy. No, that is not true. They have their joy. But not the same kind of joy that God gave us. How about sorrow and pain? 
A lot of people said that, oh, I become Christian, how come, how come I have a lot of problems, have a lot of suffering? Paul says very clear, there's two kinds of suffering, two kinds of sorrow. One leads to, to death, the other leads to life. The suffering of the world, the pain of this world will lead us to death, but the suffering that comes from God leads us unto life. You know, understand that? You see how we got so confused? Because we didn't understand what holy means. The word holy basically means different, set apart, reserved for God. Is it clear? Is it very difficult? Not difficult to understand, but very difficult to do. Because we dare not to be different. We become conformed. That's why the apostles say, the apostles say, do not be conformed to this world. But we are so easily conformed to the value, the thinking, the fashion of this world. Why? Because we do not know God. Remember the story of Caleb and Joshua. Moses, before entering the promised land, sent his 12, not spies. A lot of us study the, the uh, Sunday school. He said, send 12 spies. What kind of spy? They are 12 princes. The literal word in Hebrew means prince. They are leaders of their tribes. They are the youth. They are the leaders of their tribe. Their tribe. They have the, the elders, the father. And these 12, they are prince. They are the best among the 12 tribes of Israel. 10 of them went into the land of Canaan. They surveyed, explored. And they bring back, you know, big, you know, grapefruit, big like that. Have you seen grapefruit big like this? Yes, I did. I was in old uh, city four years ago. And one time we was walking uh, along the, uh, the old uh, city, the Temple Mount, outside the Temple Mount. There's a truck of Israeli soldiers, and they, they saw this bunch of Asian people was, you know, so miserable, walking the whole days, tired, thirsty, and they stopped. And somehow God instilled that kindness. They give us that grape. Big like this. I said to my wife and our teammates, I've never seen grape like this. The land is filled with milk and honey. Except, according to their report, they are also being under the giants of the land. And ten of them say, we are like grasshopper in their sight. Did they say something wrong? No, they state the fact. But what is wrong? What was wrong? Why God was so angry? Because these 10 princes, when they saw the giant of the land, they was filled with fear. And they bring back the report. The scriptures say they brought back a bad report, not a false report. Didn't say a false report. They, they brought back a bad report. And when the congregation, the Israel heard that, the Bible said their heart melted like waters. They are thoroughly discouraged, disheartened. And they said, 
God, you bring us into this land to be slain by these giants. And then Joseph and Caleb, and be fearful, not tremble. Said, my brethren, do not, do not be fearful, not tremble. God has promised. He will bring us. He will grant us victory. And the scripture says, Caleb and Joshua has a different spirit. Not the kind of spirit that the other tent brought back. Remember that? Caleb was commanded and the scripture said, the Lord said, I shall bless this Caleb and this, this because he has a different spirit. Holy means different. Everyone say different. Again, different from what? What does it mean? There's two ways of seeing things. Seeing things according to men. Those ten priests, when they saw this, they bring back a true report, not, not a false report, but a bad report. Because they only see it from the perspective of man. But Caleb saw it from the perspective of, of God. Holy means to belong to God, to share his thought, to have his vision. And the faith that we have do not rest with man, but rest in God. That is holiness. Is it clearer? First Peter chapter 2 verse 9 and 10. Peter wrote, but you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, and a holy nation, a people for God's own possessions, that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who has called, called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. You are a chosen race. You are a royal priesthood. You are a holy nation. You are a people of God's own possession. We belong to God. Do you understand that? The day when you become Christian, the day when you receive baptism, you thoroughly, you completely, you irrevocably belong to God. This, not too many Christians understand. Am I right? We still think the way we think. We live the way we live. We relate with people the way we relate people, meaning that we relate with people according to the standard of man. Why I say God is full of surprise. He is not, he's not like us. He's different from us. That's why always surprising. People think that they are going to close out the church. No! God is golden to heavens. Do you understand? To be perfect is not to become perfect like God, but to belong to God, to share His nature, to have His thoughts, to belong to Him. That's why 2 Corinthians, Paul says, we no longer live for ourselves. We live for the one who died and who rose on our behalf. 
and let love constrain us. Let love control us. Let love propel us. We no longer live for ourselves. Many people do not understand the scripture. When the Lord Jesus said this, he who falls must take up his own cross and deny himself. He who does not take up his own cross, follow me, is not worthy of me. Remember that? What does it mean? It means simply that we have finished with ourselves. We belong to Him. The old way of life has gone. Well, of course, it doesn't mean that it's suddenly become perfect. No. But it is constant. It is a journey. It is a long, long, long walk like the pilgrim progress of John Bunyan. He was on the way. We are on the way. We are perfect in that sense because we seek God. You know? How to become holy, how to become different, is to seek after Him. If we don't seek after Him, you know, like, a, like an athlete, right? Or like whatever professions you are in, you must have a purpose, you must have a goal. And, and, and the Apostle Paul wrote in the book of Philippians, that it is a pursuit to that goal, so that he may become perfect. It is a journey. It is a training. It is a pursuit. The pursuit is God. Let me summarize. To be holy is to be set apart, to be destined for a sacred purpose. But most importantly, it is to belong to God. How practical is this? Let me tell you this. My wife belongs to me in the blessed sense. She is my wife. She is holy in that regard. Because she belongs exclusively to me. No other man can touch my wife like I can touch her. You understand that? That is holy. That's why scriptures say, let your Marriage bed be holy. You understand? I am holy in regard to her. That's, I cannot touch any other woman like I can touch her. The day I transgress that, I will sin against God. I will sin against her. Why? Because I'm supposed to be holy. I'm supposed to be set apart. You understand that? Yes. You do not belong to the world. But the problem is, we've, we, we, we felt the, the pull. We felt the attraction. We, we felt the pressure. Then how? How can we withstand those pressures? How can we not only to withstand, but overcome those pressures? And to become, like Paul said, more than conqueror. Christians are not losers. You know that? But a lot of Christians have these mentalities. We are losers. We are not as good as in the world. We, 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 we are, we... You know what I mean, right? But let me tell you, you are more than conqueror. When you are being set apart, 
when you dare to be different. And when you know that you belong exclusively to God. What will happen? The glory of God will fill you. It doesn't mean that you'll be having a good time or, you know, a smooth sailing life. No. You read scripture. Their lives are full of difficulties. But they stood out like rock and light in that generation of darkness. How? But let us recap. You are a chosen race. God chose you. You are a royal priesthood. Royal mean king. You pertain to the kingly priesthood. You know what is kingly priesthood? Kingly priesthoods are the priests who minister to the king. They are not ordinary kind of priests. But this king is not ordinary king. This is the king of kings. Third, you are what? You are a holy nation. A nation different, set apart, destined for greatness and belong exclusively to God. And that's why he says, a people for God's very own possession that you may proclaim the excellencies of him, that is God, who call you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Let me quickly... Let me quickly conclude here. How? How can we become holy? Two things. John 17 says, Father, that you may sanctify them in your word. What makes us holy? Psalm 119 verses 9 and 10. How can a young man keep his way pure? The word pure means holy, means sanctified, means consecrated. How can a young man keep his way pure? What was the answer? To keep thy word hidden within my heart. We listen to the word, but we do not understand. We listen to the word, but we partially understand. We listen to the word, but we never put it in our heart. That's where we fail. We come to the church, we listen to a nice sermon, like in the book of the prophet say, they came and listened to you like a nice, wonderful, and even sensual song. But when they depart, when they leave that place, they do whatever is within their hearts desired. And very often those desires are against God's desires. That's what happened to us. We sit here, we be holy, but we walk out of here, we become unholy. Why? We did not keep His word in our heart. And remember the parable of the sower. Among all these four types of soil, only one type of soil bears good fruit. Right? It's the type of soil that received the word, kept it. Matthew said, understand it. Mark say, persevere in it. And Luke say, hold on to it. And they shall bear good fruit in the season. 
out of these great multitudes of people listen to Jesus. At best, I was, I was about to say about 1%, but maybe that is too optimistic. Seventy disciples, twelve apostles, three closest beloved followers of Christ. How many of them? I would say on and off, if you count the account in Acts, maybe 150. 150 persons on that upper room, right? Out of the great multitude of three years of constant preaching and healing, how many percent is that? These are holy people. They dare to be different. Even though they're weak, they fell, they also make a lot of mistakes, but they were set apart. They know that they belong to Jesus. Even though they feel with fear, but they persevere. Until the day the Holy Spirit came on them. Two God-ordained way to be holy. First, is to keep his word in our heart. Second, it is by the Holy Spirit who used those words to lead us into Christ. Both the word of God and the Holy Spirit of God. You must understand this. A lot of Christians make mistakes. They, 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 they love the word of God, but they don't, they, don't, they don't care about the Holy Spirit. You know what will happen? You know what will happen? Paul says, the letters will, the, on the other side, but the Spirit will make a life. But then the, on the other side, there are people who just care about the Holy Spirit and then forget about the Word of God. Right? What happened? They have no foundations. They believe left and right, up and down. To become holy is to be belong to God. We, we do not become God in His magnificent nature, but we become like Him. We belong to Him. The day, and I want you to make this commitment as I close, that every one of us Christians will say to yourself and say unto God, Father God, I belong to you exclusively. He would say to Jesus, Lord Jesus, I belong to you exclusively because I wasn't redeemed, saved by some sort of human riches, but I was saved by your very precious blood, the blood of the Lamb, the Son of God. And yet we take these things lightly, don't we? So I urge you, I challenge you, Let's start on this journey by saying to God from this day onward, Father God, help me by the word of the Lord Jesus, by the help of the Holy Spirit, that I will become holy, as the scriptures say. Meaning that I will be set apart. I will be destined for a sacred divine purpose. And I belong to you exclusively. It doesn't mean that we cannot interact with other people or other situations. My wife can interact with all the situations, but she exclusively belongs to me in the most sacred, in the most intimate, in the most important things of life.
You understand that? So we belong to God in that sacredness. We do not give our heart to the world. Our hearts belong to God. That is holy. You understand? Why so difficult? That's why scriptures say in Jeremiah, who can understand the heart, says the Lord. Only I can search the heart and discern the inner thought because the heart is wicked above all things. You, you, you don't understand your heart, but God can. His spirit can. Secondly, Proverbs 4.23. My son, my son, guard your heart diligently because from thence flows the fountains of life or death. So I want you today Renew your commitment to God by saying, Father God, I determine by your grace. I'm not going week after week here and sitting here to be, you know, pure warmer and bench, you know, uh, cleaner. I'm here to seek after you. I'm here to learn from your word that I may be different. I'm here to be destined for a sacred purpose. And I belongs to you exclusively. That is the true gospel. And then when you make that promise to God, two things will happen. The word of God will come alive to you. And you will cherish that word and you will hit it in your heart. And the Holy Spirit will come upon you and show you things that you never understand. That was and is and shall always be my walk with God because he always full of surprise. I always tell my wife, this is what I think, this is what we plan. And scriptures say, men propose, God dispose. I'm waiting to see how God will turn these things out. And it always surprises me. Let me conclude this very quickly. 2003, many of you do not, uh, well, uh, my background is very mysterious and complicated. Anyway, for, for 19 years, I'm involved with March for Jesus. For 17 years, up to this year, I'm the, the person in charge of March for Jesus. In 2003, we have a wonderful, wonderful preparations. Uh, we call it Jesus Hope for Our City. We met on Mount Royal. We have a big stage. We have lined up all the wonderful uh, musicians and singers sing song and program and people pray for one thing Lord give that day wonderful weather <laughs> they pray very hard all the churches all the Christian and you know what happened that day <laughs> full of rain wind water in French they said ton événement est littéralement tombé à l'eau Filled with waters. I was saying, Lord, what, what is happening here? And my wife, she said, how can God didn't answer our prayer? At the end of the day, when we complete everything, the sun came out. <laughs> the sky clear. And all of a sudden, I realized, 
God is answering our prayer, but not in the way we think. Got this? God always answers our prayer, but not always in the way we think or we want. So I said to my wife, at that moment when I saw the sun, I think it was inspiration by the Holy Spirit, I told her, darling, my love, God is smiling on us. She said, why he wait for so long to smile? Why didn't he smile earlier? <laughs> Let me tell you this. Oh, this is funny. God has a plan. He wants to carry out his plan, not my plan. That's happened to you too. God has a plan, but he won't carry out his plan according to your way. Understand that. You know, we work so hard for the whole year. We contact all the churches. We prepare everything. Dancer, the, the dance troupe that have to dance under the umbrella. And the people participating have to wear. I remember my mother was sitting there wearing a raincoat and shivering with cold. But that was the event, the time God has ordained. A fellow pastor, a Baptist pastor, maybe you know his name. Now he's with the People's Church, Pastor Ken Golden. He was on the board. God has put in his heart to connect with the Jewish rabbi, the Orthodox Jew. And in his area, in Snowden Metro, there's a lot of Jewish congregation. And he had a wonderful rapport. And he told me, Guy, you got to, to invite this Rabbi Puko, the Orthodox Jew, come to our event. I said, this is Jesus, you know, this is a Christian. What, what? But he insisted, he insisted, he insisted. And he said, tell me all the reasons. Now I can't remember any one of them. <laughs> I only remember that finally I relented. I said, okay, I will invite him. But I will put him in such a way that nobody will notice him. <laughs> because I don't want to offend my Christian, you know, friends. There was later a brother, he is Christian of the Middle East. Uh, he said, Guy, pourquoi invité le, 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 le juif, le rabbin juif orthodox? I don't know how to answer him. Anyway, on that day, when this, the rain fell down, when the waters were everywhere, when people, my program just completely destroyed. <laughs> the speaker waited for so long. I said, okay, wait a little while and see whether the sun will come out. Then one left, another left, and this and that. Finally, there was this rabbi. So I've got no other choice. <laughs> got him on the stage. This I did not prepare, but you know that I have a messianic rabbi very close to us. His name is Michael Gershman. He's a great leader. And we used to share the same, the same meeting place when we were, when I was still with the Vietnamese church in Cote d'Ivoire area. And that day he was there. And then all the pastors who were present came up to the stage. And then under one inspiration, I invite both of them come together. The pastor behind, I in the middle, like this. On this side, Okay, so that means on this side is <laughs> Rabbi Pupko. On this side is the Messianic Rabbi. Both of them pray and give blessing 
under the name of Jesus. Has ever an Orthodox rabbi give a blessing to a Christian event? Not in one million years. Whoever have thought a rabbi, messianic rabbi, and an Orthodox rabbi would stand together under the banner of Jesus, hope our city, and pray for the city? Not in one billion years. And you, what you do not know, these two are fierce opponents. This rabbi, this pupko, was persecuted, was harassing the other guy. And the other guy, you know, the Jew, huh? they, 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 are not, they, are not, they are not like us. They're rarely outspoken. So they have a lot of fight. But on that day, under God's preordained, they stood reverently, harmoniously, bless the city under the name of Jesus. That was God's plan. He has to destroy all, he has to disturb all our plan in order he may carry out his plan. That is how holy he is. That's why the scriptures say, Lord, you are righteous in all your way. You are kind. You are compassionate. You are mercy to those who fear you. Let me conclude. To become, to you know, to become like God is first to be set apart. Second, to be destined for a sacred and divine purpose. Third, to belong to God or His own possessions. And lastly, is to reveal God. How many Christians revere God, fears God? How many? Very few. We have a false understanding. We think that in the New Testament, because God's grace is standing over us, so fear is no longer is wrong. There's two kinds of fear. There's a worldly fear. There's a human fear. There's a carnal fear. That kind of fear, John tells us in perfect love, there's no fear. There's no fear of judgment. But the fear of God is the beginning of wisdom. You want to know God? You've got to fear Him. Thus, the Lord's Prayer begins with this verse. Our Father, who are in heaven, hallowed, hallowed be thy name. Hallow means holy, sanctified, different. Let us pray. Holy Father, we thank you for this day and time when we can come together, not only as a congregation, but as a family belongs to God. In your word, the Lord Jesus said that, Father, you have sanctified Jesus and sent him into the world so that the world may know that Jesus is the Son of God. And thus we pray, we pray for ourselves, we pray for our church, we pray for our people, we pray for Christians in all different parts of the world who are truly understand that they are children of God, that they are holy, 
that they are perfect because they belong to you. So I pray for this Fairview Church congregations. I pray that the Spirit will inspire, challenge us, and pursue us until the day we are willingly, totally, fully open our heart and committed our life to you because we belong to you. And we will say, like Paul said, let love constrain us that we no longer live for ourselves, but we live for one who has died and rose on our behalf. That is Christ Jesus our Lord. May the Lord Jesus, the sanctifier, sanctify us through his word, through your word, and through your spirit. For Lord Jesus, you are the word of God. When the word of God dwells in us, hit in our heart, it is you who live in us, who was treasured in our heart. And may the spirit bring that word and lead us into all truths and get us to Christ and to God the Father so that we may know him as a father, that we know my may know Christ Jesus, the one God has sent. Thus is life eternal. Bless this congregation. Bless this church in Jesus' name.